Well, tonight we're going to, we're starting to wind down and close kind of this series that we've been looking at. Um, I know last week we had tribal wars, and so it's been a few weeks since we've looked at, um, done small groups and teaching, but um, we've been looking at, well, our series has been titled Becoming Like Jesus. And so we've been looking at what is it, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does the gospel mean for our lives? How do we as believers who follow Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, how do we then actually model Jesus in the way that we live? We're called into relationship with Jesus, but we're actually called to, you know, Paul says in writing to, I think, the Corinthians, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And basically the idea is like, copy me as I copy Christ. And so we're called to live a life that is in the image, in the behavior, in the lifestyle that Jesus lived. Now, we're not perfect like Jesus. And we've talked about the fact that we will never be perfect like Jesus in this life until we're in heaven, until we're perfected and glorified and we see that completion of our salvation. But we've been looking at how do we here on earth when we know we're very aware, right, that we're sinners, right? And what does sin mean? We miss the mark. We're not perfect. We, we mess up. Even when we try our best, we still don't hit the bullseye or at least I don't, I'm sure you, maybe you might get pretty close, but again, the whole idea is all have fallen short. However close we get, we still fall short. And so how do we as, you know, sinners wrestling with our flesh or that, that nature within us that wants to maybe rebel or, or even when it tries its best can still not be perfect. How do we then walk in a lifestyle that is like Jesus who was like he was tempted, it says in the scriptures, but without sin. And so he, Jesus, you know, being, being part of the Trinity, part of God, came as man and human flesh, lived a life. And we've looked a little bit about his, the life that he lived on, on earth and the miracles he did, the things, uh, the people he healed, the people he encountered, the things that he taught and then ultimately leading to his death and his resurrection. And all of that allowing us to actually even have the opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so we've kind of, we've looked at so many different things, right? We've looked at what is the gospel, and we've looked at the, the stages of salvation. We've looked at um, the idea of like the, the things around us, the influences of school, life, um, our family, the natural, the things that we're exposed to, they shape us. They influence who we are, what we do, how we think. And so we answered the question, you know, who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? Then we looked, you know, if, if there's a natural course that the life is taking us in terms of the influ influences, influence, that sounds, I'm saying that funny, um, they're shaping us in a specific way, then we need to figure out, okay, if we want to become like Jesus, we need to be shaped by the right things. And so we looked at who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? And then we looked at this idea, looking at kind of the Jewish educational system of a rabbi and, and the stages that a student would kind of take steps of me memorizing the scripture to then 
knowing it so well to then being more committed to a rabbi or teacher coming under them, learning from them, and then ultimately in the kind of latter stages of that, spending every waking moment as a student with their teacher, with their rabbi. And the goal was really threefold. The goal was first that you be with your rabbi or your teacher. The second was that you would become like them. And third, which we'll look at this more today, is to do the things that they did. And so there's three goals, you know, as we seek to become like Jesus, we need to spend time with Jesus. We need to become like Jesus, that our nature, our mindset, our desires need to become more like his. And then thirdly, that we do the things that he did. And so just quickly reviewing those first two steps, one being with Jesus. We looked at the passage in Mark 3. Now, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to go to Mark 3 again as we look at this, you know, doing the things that Jesus did. But we looked at Mark 3, and Jesus there talks about, you know, he chose his disciples for, for two reasons. And so, you know, in verse 13 and 14, it talks about Jesus going up to the mountain to pray, and, and, and there he comes to the the realization to choose these 12. And then it says in verse 14 that he appointed the 12 that they may, first of all, be with him, and second of all, that he might send them out to preach. So the first thing is he chose them that they might be with him. And we looked at this idea of association with Jesus, this concept that we are to be with him and to spend time with him. And Jesus chose those 12 for that specific reason that they would be with him. And we looked at sort of the environment to which the disciples learned to follow Jesus and be like Jesus was in this environment of spending time with him. And we know that, right? The more time you spend maybe with your friends, they rub off on you. The more time you, you spend in certain company, it has an effect on you. The way that maybe you speak, the way that you think, the way that you dress. Have you ever noticed that? Strange to think about. But we become, in one sense, or are shaped by the time we spend. And so Jesus chose them to be with him so that spending through simply spending time with them, that they would become like him. And so the, the conversations, the, the late night talks, the time at the dinner table, the trips, you know, going to Galilee and going to the city and, and encountering different people, all that time they spent with him, they became like him. They learned from him through spending time. So the first thing is we be with him. The second thing is we want to then become like him. And we looked at, we looked at two passages. Remember, do you remember the passages we looked at? We talked about the vine. Do you remember where that was? John 15. Yeah. So we looked at the idea of the vine and the branches, and it's really out of that place of abiding. We talked about this idea of abiding or spending time that we actually become like Jesus. And so there's this sort of natural process where we, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more that time is going to sort of soak in or affect us, and therefore we will become more like him. And so we looked at that, there's this natural resting or abiding process, you know, the idea of like a branch that isn't connected to a vine, what does it do? It just dies. 
it can't grow. It only grows and flourishes when it's connected to the source. It gets the nutrients. It gets all of the things it needs. And then we also looked at Matthew 7. And we looked at the idea of the, the man building his house on the rock and the sand. And the, the idea that Jesus was talking about there at the end of his long sermon or teaching was that we hear things, that we hear these lessons, but then we also practice them, that we put them into practice. We looked at the idea of exercising ourselves to godliness. Now, if you think of exercising, right, it, it brings a mental picture. You, you might all play sports. Maybe you don't but maybe you might play an instrument or maybe you might exercise in other ways. Use your imagination, right? We have to spend time. We have to practice. You know, if you want to hit the perfect cricket shot, right, you got to practice. If you want to hit the perfect notes every time you play the trumpet. Any trumpet players in here? Could you imagine if we had trumpet for worship? Do you actually play the trumpet? No. Oh. I could. Uh, no. I feel like you can't, if you say no, you can't play it, and then you could, then I feel like it would just sound really bad. Do you think? Can't be that hard. Can't be that hard. <laughs> you know, but if you want to hit the right notes, hit, you know, hit the right shot, get everything right, you've got to practice. And so we looked at this idea of practicing, that living our life is for Jesus and becoming like him is a resting and, and be then becoming like him, but also there's an element to which we have to discipline, we have um, and, and practice. And really the reality is, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but practicing and disciplining ourselves into that way of godliness is going to require patience, it's going to require grace, and it's going to require accountability. And so it's going to require having people around you in community. I don't know, we might, I mean, if you think of like sin, right? We, we have fleshly desires. They lead us to make stupid decisions, perhaps. And God doesn't want us to live in that way. And so we need to seek to live in, in freedom, in grace, but not to sin. And so as we, you know, as we seek to try to, to not sin and to, to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, we're, oh, we always seem to find ourselves faltering or messing up, right? And so in these things, whether it's not living in sin or practicing holiness and living in a way that's upright and is pleasing to the Lord, we are going to often slip up. And so we need to learn to be patient with ourselves. We need to learn to receive grace from others and grace from God. And then having accountability is having people alongside of you who you can talk to at those times, who can help you when you fall. And again, it's a, it's a process of we fail, we confess, we repent, we then believe and we obey. And it's like this cycle. And in and we always have to come back. We always have to confess and repent and come back to the Lord in obedience. And as we, as we receive grace on grace each time, as we continue to work our way to please the Lord in the way that we live, we then are going to become like Jesus. And, and our desires will be, or his desires will become ours. 
And that's kind of this process of following Jesus. And so I encourage you, if you don't have like people in your life who can help you, I mean, this isn't just like, I mean, there's all sorts of sort of things we can fall into from sin, from the things we look at and the things we watch to the way we speak with our mouth to our thought life. You can sin without anyone even knowing just by the thoughts, whether it's pride, whether it's jealousy and envy, whether it's anger, just our thought life, um, we, we, can, we can sin. And so having people to talk to, to open up to, to say, hey, I really got it wrong this time. Can you pray with me? Can you help? And, and to have people walk alongside you is great. I've, I've learned that I have to have that in my life. So I encourage you, if you don't have that, um, um, I would encourage you to get that. Okay, so just quickly, what is that second reason? So the first reason here in Mark, Mark 3, we're going to be in Mark 3, and then we'll, we'll jump to um, a few other passages. But here, Jesus chose the 12 that they might be with him, and what was the second reason he chose them for? It's there in the scriptures. That he might. It's 3 verse 14. Yeah. Send them out to preach. So the idea here, it's it's kind of a funny way, like or kind of a dramatic um, language. The word in the Greek, it means like to expel someone. Hopefully none of you have ever been expelled from school. There was a funny time where, where Leah thought Xavier had been expelled from school, and that was fun. But the expel is, you know, like you're, you get out of school, right? You're gone. Or the whole idea, or it's kind of the idea like you're going, you know, down a water slide, and you have those like, they just like shoot you out, and you get thrown out into the water from the water slide. Kind of like sudden go out. And so this is the kind of idea that he might, they might be with him, close to him in relationship, and then at some point that they might be let go, that they might be sent out, that they might be expelled into the world. And it's actually a command, the idea to, to send them out. And the idea is going to a place, and the idea is being a herald or being a messenger that is sent with the gospel, with the way, living in the way that Jesus lived. And so... In Luke, in Luke 6, Jesus, he names the 12 disciples, and here again, they're also named here in Mark 3. And the idea there is like they're sent out as an ambassador, as a messenger. Someone, the idea is a messenger, you represent someone else. You have a message from someone else. And that's what we are as, for Jesus, in the sense we, it's not our message, it's the message of Jesus. And we go out to share that. And so it's, it's this whole idea that, that at some point we are with Jesus, we become like Jesus, but at some point we have to step into be doing things, taking over, not taking over, walking in the things that Jesus has for us, living in that way. And here Jesus' model was that they would ultimately take on the ministry that he had started. He was training them up for that. And so if you remember back to the, when we talked about the discipleship and the Jewish 
system, right? The, the student would go step by step, learning the scriptures, spending more time with his rabbi. And ultimately at that, that peak point, he became an apprentice under the rabbi. And so he would actually leave home. He would go and travel with him full time, spend all his time with him. And the goal of the student was to become what his teacher was. He was devoted to him in his teaching and everything, and he learned everything from him and spending time with him. And it was quite, quite an intense process. But at some point, after all of the listening, after all of the time spent, after sitting under so many teachings of his, after doing everything with him, the goal was that he would actually leave and go and continue on his own that he would step into those things, that ultimately the student would turn into a teacher and step into the fullness of those things. The whole idea, basically, you get, you get thrown the package and it's now, it's now your turn. It's your turn to, to live and to do those things. And often, you know, it, it's, it's the whole idea in, in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. Jesus at that point, Point was speaking to his 12. I've spent so much time with you. I've taught you everything you need to know. Now I'm going to be with my father. Go and make disciples. It's like, now it's your job. You go and do it. And so the, the idea ultimately is to go and to do what your rabbi or what your teacher did. And so it wasn't just so for us, we don't just need to know Jesus' teachings and to know how to, to, to know about him and to know the things of his words and in theory how to do these things, but we actually have to take them to practice and live them out. And so it's not just knowing about, but actually we're called to do, do the work. I mean, again, the Great Commission, it says, preach the gospel to all creatures and make disciples. That's our commission as believers to follow Jesus. And the goal ultimately for the student was to replace the rabbi or to he himself become a rabbi. And so for us, we not only spend time with Jesus, become like Jesus, but we actually need to carry on what Jesus did. And so this idea of apprenticing or discipleship under Jesus, I mean, you can look in the scriptures and there's, there's, all these sorts of relationships. You have Elijah and Elisha. You know, Elisha, um, he, he studied under and came under Elijah. And then there was a point where Elijah said, okay, here you go. It's your turn now. You have Paul with, with Timothy and Paul with, well, really a lot of people, Silas, Paul with Barnabas, all these guys that he spent. And then eventually they stepped into it. We have Moses. Who was Moses's... Um, sort of apprentice or student who eventually led the people into the promised land. Do you know? Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a model that, that has been throughout the scriptures. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll turn to 2 Timothy. And just quickly, we're going to look at 2 Timothy 2. And here again is just this reinforced, this idea reinforced in scriptures. 2 Timothy 2, 2. 
and I'll read from one. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So first bit here, I mean, we're looking at this idea of passing on sort of the baton. You know, you're running a relay, someone passes you the baton, it's now your turn to do it. It's your turn to run. You take the baton, you run. And so this is the idea. Paul is writing here to Timothy, and he says, the things that you have heard from me, me being Paul, among many witnesses, he says, Timothy, I want you to commit these things to faithful men. And then those faithful men will then pass it on to, here it says, others also. So the idea here is you commit something. The idea is transmitting something from one person to another. Passing, the, a good idea is to pass on the baton. It's to, to put something in someone's hands and for them to go on and run. And, and here it's implied that it's something that is valuable. And then again, once it's passed on from Paul to Timothy and Timothy to faithful men, note they have to be faithful men, then it's on to others also. And so just like when we, we spend time with Jesus, we become like Jesus, there is this point where we have to now step into living, to acting, to doing the things that Jesus did. So that means loving in the way that Jesus loved. That means speaking in the way that Jesus spoke. That means sharing the gospel and ministering in grace like Jesus did. That means sometimes putting our own needs and desires aside because that's what Jesus did. If you guys will turn again quickly to John 13, and this is quite an interesting passage, and we'll, we'll close here. John 13, do you know what happens in John 13? So much. Just on a, like, a side note as you're turning to John 13, how like uncomfortable would you feel if someone washed your feet? Can you just like raise your hand if you would love it? Is it just Sadie? Okay, how, how much, like raise your hand if you would feel really uncomfortable with someone sticking their fingers between your toes. Okay, okay, so then like, if, this is really, so what if it was Jesus that did it? Like, how would you feel about that? Would you be like, okay, is, that's okay? <laughs> Does it make it different because it's Jesus? You can trust him, but you don't trust me to wash your feet? I trust you. Oh. I would just Would you now? <laughs> okay. So what happens in this story? Jesus, right? Um, this is like before his death. Who's with Jesus in the upper room at this time? The disciples. And so he's he's talking. He's going to talk to them about all these things that they need to know before he goes to the cross, he dies, he rises again, and then ultimately goes to be with his father. And so the first thing he does on the night, they come in with their dirty feet, 
come into the upper room and Jesus kind of takes the, the position of what would have been a slave and he gets on his um, and knees and he washes the feet of the disciples. They would have been dirty. And so, you know, what we think this, that's a strange thing to do was something that would have normally happened back then. And it was because it was done by the slave, the bottom of the bottom, it's not something that in this picture we're looking at, right? A rabbi and his students, it's not something that normally would have happened by the teacher, that the one who is supposed to be the top-notch guy, right? And so Jesus does something quite radical here, and he, he, he takes the place of the lowest of the low, and he washes the disciples' feet. Feet. Feets. Feetsies. There you go. Okay, verse 12. So this is after he's done it. Peter says, you know, first of all, don't do it. That's weird. And then, and then Jesus explains, and then Peter says, wash my feet. Wash the whole of me, he says. And so verse, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken their garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Again, along the lines of what Jesus was saying, we can hear, but we're, the blessing comes the, the, fount, the strength comes, you know, like the man builds his house on the rock. It comes when we do these things. But something we learn here is Jesus says, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. The language there talks about he set them an example, okay? He served them, and so he's calling them to a life of service to one another and to those encounter. The idea here is the example was is set with the purpose of and with the goal of you following it, doing it, doing the same. And so here in a simple way is what we are you know, called to do as disciples in this kind of third goal, do the things that he did. He set the example, he lived the life, he spoke the things so that we would then learn from the example and follow in those things. And so when we you know, come to youth group and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to live the way that Jesus did. What we need to do is to read his word and then to learn from these things, to learn, to know them, to understand them, but then we have to do them. Learning about Jesus and knowing about the things that he did and the life that he lived is one step, but we have to then practice those things. I mean, Jesus said, love your enemies. He lived it out. Jesus served when he wasn't like the least of the least. He was God, but he served. And so as we kind of come to a close here and go to small groups, 
the three steps, right? We have to be with Jesus, spend time with him, learn from him, know him. Then we will become like Jesus. There will be this natural process as we abide. We will become more like him. And then there's also the discipline of practicing the things of Jesus. And then we're called to then walk in the things that he did, that we actually can't just know about them and think it's great ideas, study them, have every part of understanding about what he did. But it's actually, this is an instruction manual then for then us actually to practice. And so learning to then do the things that, that he did and, and live out this. <laughs> it's, and it's challenging. And like I said before, it's going to require patience. It's going to require grace. And it's going to require having people around you who can help you to work in those things. But as we continue to walk with him, we can become more and more like him. And then one day we will be, you know, with, because we live this life with sin, with our flesh. And one day sin will be done away with. And it talks about in heaven will be no crying, no pain, no sin will be done away with. And then we will be away and freed from the presence of sin. And we will be able to be glorified and perfected with, with Christ. And so we long for that day. But in this time, we have to keep working our way to practicing those things. So let's pray. And I want to encourage you um, to think about practically for yourself. And this is something you can discuss in small groups is what is something that you can do that Jesus did that applies to your context. If you think about all the things that Jesus did, what is something that you can take and do this week, next week, this month, in your life, in your school, in your home, that Jesus did, and that you can practice that and apply that to your life so that in that small way you can resemble walk in the things that Jesus did. So I encourage you to, to think about that and, um, and maybe we, you can share that with your small group and your small group leader can help you kind of be able to think of those things. But let's pray and then we'll go to small groups. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you, um, Lord, just for um, your example. Lord, ultimately thank you for your service, Lord, and that you not only <coughs> did wash the disciples' feet that night, Lord, you actually gave up your rights and you you gave yourself um, to the will of the Father, Lord, and you were sacrificed and you died, Lord, that we might be able to even have the opportunity to have a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that you made a way for us when there was no way in ourself and that we can have life and life abundantly. And so we thank you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, um, in your strength and, and through your um, ability, Lord, to to practice the things, to become more like you, to act in the way that you did, to live the way that you did, to, to speak the way that you did, and to behave the way that you did in every part of our life, Lord. I pray that you would convict us, Holy Spirit, of the things that we do that are not pleasing to you. Lord, the things that we need to get rid of in our lives, Lord, and to replace and 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 replace with things that, that would be more glorifying to you. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we fall short and we don't get it right. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that if we are faithful um, to confess these things, Lord, if we confess our sin, Lord, you are faithful 
and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, Lord. And I thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that there is a newness of grace in which we get to walk in every day. And so, Lord, I pray that as we practice these things and learn these things and follow you, Lord, that these things would become more and more learned through just the experience of walking with you. So, Lord, we give you this time. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.